From the Rocky Top Insider Studios, it's the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler, Ryan Shumpert, and Jack Foster. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and here we go. Welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast. We are here on a beautiful Wednesday afternoon, ready to talk a little Tennessee basketball, Tennessee football, and whatever else is going on in the world of Tennessee athletics. My name is Rick Butler, joined to my right, that is Ryan Shumpert, joined right across the table, that is the one, the only Jack Foster. Today is March 1st. Welcome to March, everybody. How are we doing around the table? How are you guys? Tired. Uh, yeah, a little good. bit. Little Here. Bit. I'm ready to roll another midweek baseball game today, but uh, yeah, plenty plenty to get to. It's it's crossover season, always busy, and certainly uh, a lot of news in Tennessee. Basketball's impressive win over Arkansas last night as the regular season dwindles down, and then a little bit of recruiting action for the football team as well. Not only is it a crossover season, which is great, it's March, one of the best months March. of the year. I mean, it's March 1st, people. Yeah. Let's get excited. I got in the car to drive home uh, after basketball last night, 2 a.m. or so. Put right. on One Shining Moment, first yeah. first song on. Let's get in the mood. It's there March. you go. There you go. Yeah, March is a fun month. Uh, March is, is certainly a good one. I'm trying to think if maybe April has, a, has even a case because you get the end of the tournament, you get the Masters right there. Well, I mean, we talked about that just about a week or so ago, kind of that, that nine-day stretch, if you will, from the Final yeah. Four to the Masters, one of the best weeks in sports. But I think either way you look at it, it's the springtime is a, is a pretty good season for sports all around, no where does, doubt. Where does March Madness Tournament rank in y'all's like, sporting events throughout the year? Like top three, top five? Yeah, I mean, as a whole, I mean, it's kind of tough because like, as a whole, I guess it's the best like postseason. I would say I prefer college football regular season over it, but that's like mm-hmm. a longer deal. I mean, we were ta- I think that was when we were driving back from Kentucky. We were talking about it, and I said I think opening weekend of the NCAA tournament is my favorite sports weekend yeah. of the year. Yeah, that's kind of where I was as well. It, those first two days, like it, it is hard for anything to compete against the first two days or so of mm-hmm. so many games. Yeah, March Madness. I mean, it is nonstop, and I think a lot of people, especially if you're around our age. Uh, you absolutely have memories of like, you know, technology was just first starting to come around at this time. But like, I remember being back in middle school or junior high, right? And in between classes, all of your friends would meet in kind of the common area and you have about three minutes before you got to get to your next class. But you would all be just sitting there around your phones trying to, okay, you get on that game. You get on that game. You go, <laughs> yeah. Who'd you get for that? Who'd you, who'd you put? Wow. I can't believe I got upset. It's just so on and so forth. So I, I, I do love those memories, but uh, yeah, first two days of March Madness, it's hard to top. Very hard to top. First four, I mean, I think the next two days are just as good. Sure. I mean, you have a little bit less games, but usually less blowouts in, yeah. in there as well. And mm-hmm. like I said, that, those four straight days of nothing but basketball are pretty incredible. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, speaking of basketball, what do you say we guys, uh, what do you say we jump right into things? Got to talk about the game from yesterday, and then that leads into a conversation just regarding the SEC tournament, which I know we're still a couple, ga- a st- little bit, a couple days away one game away from the SEC tournament, but we will still start looking at it today and just in uh, kind of a little bit of a future forecast. But before any of that, going back to yesterday, Tennessee defeats Arkansas on the court in Knoxville 75-57 to in the penultimate game of the regular season, the final home game of the season, and the final game at home in front of the Knoxville crowd for 
was it six of Tennessee seniors? Now, some of them, you know, they're going to put a decision off a little bit in the future, but six were honored yesterday in terms of senior night. That was Josiah Jordan James, Santiago Vescovi, Olivier Kamwa, uh, Eros Plavsic, Kent Gilbert, Tyreek Key. And Tyree Key. There you go. There, there's your six as well. And all of them played except for Key. Key did not play in the entire game as he's still nursing that ankle injury. Kent Gilbert got in the last couple minutes. As, man, the crowd loved to see that. The crowd erupted for that. But I think when you talk about this game, guys, we're going to talk about, Ryan, you just alluded to it a minute ago, the impressiveness to Tennessee's win. But ultimately, that stems from what happened in the opening minute or so, and that was the Kai Ziegler goes down with a knee injury, looked to be his left knee injury. And if you go back to what Rick Barnes said after the game, Said, hey, we, we know that Zakai's a guy that gets knocked down, but man, he pops right back up. When he doesn't pop back up is when you know that something's wrong. Now, after the game as well, Tennessee said that they, they did not have any update on Zakai Ziegler's knee injury. But we know how important he is for Tennessee. So, Ryan, just kind of what's your takeaway right now on this Zakai Ziegler situation for Tennessee? Obviously, we don't know his status moving forward, but we also know how important he is to this team, despite the really impressive performance yesterday against the Hogs. It would be a really, really massive loss, and it certainly didn't look good uh, no. when he went down and wasn't able to put any weight on that left leg and left knee injury. As he was helped off the court uh, by strength coach Garrett Mendewall and then uh, the trainer uh, Chad Newman. So didn't look good. Obviously, we'll find out sometime in the next 48 hours, I would expect, just how serious it is. And yeah. But if it is something that, that keeps him out for the rest of the season, I mean, it's a pretty massive loss for, for Tennessee. And I think the obvious way is that, you know, he's really the only true point guard on this roster. He is about the only guy. I mean, I, it's kind of funny. Jemaine Meshack's turning into this a little bit. Julian Phillips can do it some. They can really get to the rim for this Tennessee team and create shots for himself and, and others. And that's so important in a Tennessee offense that doesn't have a go-to scorer and that is real pretty reliant on ball movement so it would be a major loss just from those very obvious reasons and then you know how many times we've heard Tennessee players talk this year about how he's kind of the guy that whether you call it emotional leader or Mm -hmm. brings the intensity to the team and you know I think it was maybe after Kentucky that they were talking about I think it was Rod Clark who who yeah Rod Rod Clark you know said he get him getting in foul trouble really hurts us because we feed off our play guys feed yeah. off his energy and they need him out there so it would be a really big loss in a lot of different ways um and certainly not a lot of time for Tennessee to figure out how to move forward before they get to the NCAA tournament yeah it's it's really bad timing of course for an injury like this to happen of course we don't know the specifics of it but as you guys said as as coach Rick Barnes said knowing the toughness that Zakai has and you know just the type of player he is to see him emotional like that on the ground and not be able to get up not even be able to put any weight on that left leg when getting helped off the court it's not encouraging in the slightest and of course Ryan I mean you hit you checked every box in what you just said about how it's going to hurt Tennessee I think when you talk about just what he what he brings to this Tennessee team right we know it's a lot of versatility on the offensive side of the ball or excuse me on the offensive side of the court Tennessee played pretty darn well offensively yesterday, especially when it comes to just being able to really dominate the paint. Uh, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. We'll get them here in a second, but Tennessee did that exactly. They dominated the paint in terms of scoring, and they really presented their presence down there on the defensive side as well. But I do think that that is a a struggle. You've seen a lot of times where Tennessee has really relied on Zakai Ziegler to be that difference maker on the offensive side, right? Whether that's being, uh, whether that's distributing the ball, whether it's scoring the ball, whether it's getting other guys involved. So I I do think it's going to be really interesting to see how Tennessee 
combats this if they're not able to have him go moving forward, how they're able to combat this. Ryan, I think one of the things that you said there was, that was most correct was just there's not a lot of time to figure it out. Obviously, this is a team that's well-connected, and they've been going through the whole season together, but also that all that preparation has been with Zakai Ziegler leading the point. So not a lot of time before it's crunch time with these tournaments. No, it's not. And uh, you know, I think what Tennessee does offensively just has is going to have to change. And I think – on the very surface level, I think it needs to be more post touches, and you know that's kind of a odd thing to say about a team that hasn't been able to find consistent post scoring for for years on years. But you got to score it to basket, and that's really their best option now. I mean, Jermaine Meshack, you want him to be aggressive. Julian Phillips, you want those two guys to be aggressive. They're kind of the two other wing guys that can get to the basket and score. But uh, I, you know, I even said it before the injury that in a lot of these games where Tennessee's not playing well offensively, Hagiris Plastis needs to get more more touches. I mean, he's a flawed player, don't get me wrong, but he's pretty darn good scoring the ball when he can turn on his left shoulder and, and put it off the glass, or even if he's on the right block, turning and just with a little baby hook. So I think it needs to be more touches for him. I think it needs to be more touches for Tobey Awaka, uh, who continues to show some good touch around the rim, where I think maybe that becomes more challenging or more complicated than I, you know, I make it sound real simple. Tennessee, you know, how many times have we seen this year? Tennessee's offense struggles. Yeah. What's their game plan to win? We're, we're just going to lean into playing really good defense. Yeah. We saw it in the Auburn game. Yeah, get gritty. <laughs> yeah, the offense struggled, and Rick Barnes said, hey, we're not going to play better offensive lineups and hope that the offense is going to get marginally better. We're going to double down on playing defense, and we're going to play defensive lineups. I think you'll. That's just kind of the mindset of how this team wants to win when they're hit with adversity like that. One of those two guys I named, Euros Plasic and Tobey Walker, are two worst post defenders. And uh, certainly Plasic has improved some. I think a walkout is probably more of a detriment uh, on that end of the court. But certainly, I think Olivier Kamwa and Jonas Adu bring Tennessee more there. So you need those guys to be locked in and dialed in consistently defensively down the home stretch of the season because you need them on the offensive end and. Like I said, for Plastic, that's a lot of scoring in the post. It's some of that for Awaka as well, but I think just as important, if not more important, is what he does on the offensive glass and, and getting some – yeah, five offensive rebounds last yeah, night. he was good again last night. Yeah, yeah. and a handful of second-chance points cleaning things up. Yeah, he had five offensive – five. he had half of their offensive rebounds last night. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned the paint points earlier, Rick. They had 42 uh, points in the paint of 75 total points scored. So, yeah, I thought – as a whole, you know, looking at Tennessee's four post players, this is probably their best game combined of the season. I, I know Alabama um, was a good day for them as well, but d- just looking at all four of them combined, I, I would say this was their best cumulative effort. I thought Jonas Adu made a lot of good hustle plays, and, you know, obviously he doesn't have the best hands, but but I think he did, you know, make some things happen. And, of course, Urosh was solid yet again and on a couple of times. I didn't get a lot of minutes, but when yeah. he was out there, he was two, good. He yeah. got two moving screens in the first yeah. half, like pretty quickly <laughs> after he got in the game. And the first one uh, was 100% a moving screen. Easy call. I think Barnes got mad and yanked him. And then the second one uh, wasn't a terrible call. It was a little soft. You can probably call that most possessions. But that was the second foul. And Rick Barnes, you know, we know how he is with, with two fouls in the first half. So yeah. it wasn't a, a very eventful first half for Euros Plasic, but – he got in there and made some nice plays in the second half. Yeah, and and Ryan, I I agree. I think for Tennessee, one of the one of the strategies to to fight back against this, if it is going to be a lingering injury and a lingering problem for Tennessee, which I, I guess maybe if it's lingering, it could be extended as well. But either way, just one of the one of the areas of concerns that I think you look at is is a three point shooting, not just that 
you know, Tennessee has been a little bit up and down from the three-point line this whole year, but that Zakai Ziegler has been one of those guys to— uh, to break scoring droughts with a with a big three pointer, to excite a crowd with a big three pointer, just one of Tennessee's guys that they absolutely trust to shoot back there. Tennessee knocked down four three pointers yesterday against Arkansas, but three of those came from Vescovy, and then Josiah Jordan James put the other one in as well. So that's going to be interesting to watch going forward. But you know, that, again, like you're saying, I, I think post is going to be important. But you know, we do know what Ziegler brought to the three point line as well. Yeah, and I think. That's where you'll want to lean on Josiah a little more and obviously have Tyreek Key healthy. I know he's spotty and very, very inconsistent, but if he's on, he's on, and he's going to be just up there with Santi as one of the best three-point shooters on this team. Definitely top two. Sure, no I mean, doubt. Goes as what we talked about last week, I think, after Texas saying that whether he shoots it well or not, he's at least a threat to shoot mm-hmm. it. And yeah. uh, teams have and to come get, out. Yeah. Teams have to come out and defend him and be worried about him, which uh, Tennessee has more of that now with Josiah back, but you know some of those lineups they play, Jeremiah Meshack is as solid as he's been offensively. He's still not looking to, to shoot the ball when he catches it. And I, there was one time last night where I mean he was wide, wide open, and he he was just he was just playing. I don't know if in a hurry is the right word, but he was just in such attack mode. I don't even think he looked at yeah. the basket when he caught right. the ball. He I just that. went and immediately started dribbling uh, to the basket. I don't even remember what ended up happening on that yeah. possession, but. That. I thought Olivier Cumwell, when he got open looks, he took him last night, too. He did. So, yeah. like, at the top of the key, he had a wide-open look, missed it. But, you know, especially at that spot, was so good at the top of the key from three. You want him to take those shots every time. And it does seem like he's shot – he's been shooting those less the last couple of weeks. If it feels like he's taken less threes. And, again, I think that's a shot that Tennessee needs him to take and, and be able to knock down some. Yeah, I think so as well. All right, so looking ahead to the future – Tennessee has Auburn to close out the regular season. That'll be coming up Saturday. Uh, Let's see, Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. That game will be in Auburn, so on the road, as we mentioned previously. Yesterday was Tennessee's final home game of the season. Now, when you're looking at this game, Ryan, you alluded to it uh, just a a couple minutes ago. When you go back to that early February match between Auburn and Tennessee, boy, was it a, a... defensive rock fight with not a whole lot of great offense in it as well. Tennessee did get the win 46-43. to If you remember, there was a little bit of controversy at the end from some people uh, you know, online and talking about that big play behind the three-point line with the final shot of the game. But ultimately, I think what people remember this game as was just a, a little bit of a rough offensive showing. What do you expect coming back on the other side when Tennessee does travel down to Auburn to close out this regular season here on Saturday? I expect a, a pretty similar game in a lot of ways, where it's I think it'll be low scoring again. Uh, certainly, this is an Auburn team that's not playing well in the slightest right now. They've lost five out of seven, seven out of ten. Um, so it's a team that it's kind of played themselves onto the bubble, you know. Yeah. Which I had, I knew they weren't. I kind of thought they were going to be like an eight, nine range seed. But looking at Bracketology yesterday, you know, they were ten, eleven seed, and, and it's kind of a game that they're going to need to win. They play at Alabama tonight. You know, Alabama hasn't played quite as well since all the Brandon Miller stuff happened last week, but it's hard to imagine uh, that's going to be a game Auburn wins. They're going to be desperate, and and certainly uh, I think they have, you know, a little bit of extra motivation from how the last game ended. Not that that's a a massive deal, but I think more than just looking at, you know, how Tennessee can play on the road in a tough environment, which they haven't done great this year, uh, it's just going to be, you know, every game between now and the NCAA tournament, it's just going to be interesting to see what they look like without Zakai Ziegler, how do they adapt. Yeah, you know how I one how do they play, uh, but two 
what does the offense look like, and can they find some sort of consistency of something that works on that end of the court? Yeah, and I want to know the balance of, of who's running the offense, you know, who, yeah. who they start with, who they end with, maybe more importantly, just kind of who gets reps with what units. It's going to be interesting to watch. And again, you can kind of go back to yesterday to get a small idea, but now with a full week of game planning, again, if Zakai Ziegler is out long-term with a full week of game planning, going to be really interested to kind of see how that balance shapes up to see who runs the offense, who's bringing the ball down the court, who, who's who's orchestrating everything, so on and so forth. I feel like it'll be mostly Santi, right? I mean, he did it last night. What do you think, Ryan? I mean, I think you'll see a pretty healthy mix of Santi and Tyree Key. Yeah. I mean, it, to me, it'll be interesting to see how much they play on the court together or how much they try to balance those minutes. Yeah. Um, and granted, Vescu's going to play 30-plus minutes every night at this point in the season if he's not in foul trouble. But that'll be interesting to see. I personally was surprised we didn't see B.J. Edwards last night. Me too. Not that I thought he's going to be the answer you know, to the point guard spot. Yeah, he's not going to start or anything. Yeah, or, or play 20 minutes a game. But the it way did, it, it, it did feel like when Tennessee got up to about that 15-16 point margin, it felt like you know that might have been a time to get him a couple runs in the game. Yeah, I mean, even before that, I, I just thought you might see him get six, eight minutes just because he's played more recently and – but he didn't, and yeah, no, it's Rick Barnes wasn't taking the foot off the pedal until I think it was 16 seconds, and they were up by 20 last night when he finally did some subbing. <laughs> yeah. and I don't think he really, I don't think he really knew what he wanted to do with with the senior day. Uh, the it was, best it was, way, it was a physical game last night. Still, I mean, it and was. M- Muscleman just had a night with the refs. Doesn't sound like him. <laughs> that, that one he's had plenty out, of practice doing that all I season. I can't so. remember the timeout it was, but man, he was relentless. Under twelve, maybe in, in the, the second, second half. half. Under eight. So, oh, I, I granted, a, there were two bad calls. The Euros Plus has got a block, and yeah, we all, and we all, should, yeah. and we all should have known yes. it was goaltending when Euros Plus gets the block. <laughs> and then uh, Josiah had an and one on the other end that was not a foul in the slightest. So I believe there I were have two a, bad calls that had immediately gone against him. I believe it was the goaltending call, and I do have a video on my phone just from our spot at the at the media tables pretty close to the court of just Musselman and his, and his assistant coaches just absolutely berating the refs. I mean, I mean they'd, they'd say something, and then they'd walk away, and then they'd come back, and then they'd walk away, and then they'd come back, and then another guy would come out, and then the Musselman would come back. I mean, it, it was a the muscle man himself. I mean, it, it, there were a lot of I – mean, uh, conversations being had i'm not gonna say he's rushing the refs or anything like he wasn't going after him but he was like walking quickly towards one and he got stopped by one of his assistant coach then he turns around oh, finds another ref he and goes back, back the other he way went back and forth yes. the two refs oh yes uh there yeah there was one closer to half court and then one kind of right right on the baseline and i think he hit both or not hit but he got he got to both talk to both of them yes in two different stints uh, going back too. going back and forth yeah close up no no contact though. i did not realize that the muscle man was kind of kind of short. I didn't, oh yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, oh yeah, he's I, tiny. And, and I've that's, I've that's watched I've watched plenty of Arkansas games, but man, it, it just it's so much more striking, I guess, in person, especially because he's got some massive guys in his assistant coaching staff. So he's only five seven. Uh, okay. I'm surprised he's. I don't even know if he's five seven. I don't know if I buy that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah the, the student section last night. Would have definitely let you know short man syndrome. That was one. Yes. That was a popular chant. They so. they were chanting that as well. Uh, and then there was also speaking of fishing, there was a funny moment where uh, Rick Barnes was trying to get you pointed this out to me. Rick Barnes was trying to get the attention of an official who was like on the far opposite corner of the court, and he he just could not get his attention. So he gets Santiago Vescovi's attention and tells him to get the ref's attention and then relay it back. He was playing a game of telephone in the court just because he couldn't get to the official, which was. Uh, 
which is pretty funny to kind of watch unfold from the from the outside looking in. Yeah, certainly. I, I think I can't remember which call it was. I think maybe the the foul they called on Jemai Meshack when Arkansas it was like right as the shot clock expired, Arkansas was driving, uh, and there was I, I think it was on Meshack. I think that was the play. There were a couple stretch of a couple calls Barnes did not like in that no. two or three minute stretch. So I'm not positive I, I, which one it was, but I think it was that one that. It's kind of a – I don't even know if it wasn't a foul, but it was kind of a bailout situation for a bad Arkansas possession. So real quick, to wrap up the uh, the basketball conversation, two more – well, really one more thing. SEC tournament coming up. Like we talked about, you still got to get through the Auburn game as well. But just looking ahead a little bit, currently as things stand, according to ESPN, Tennessee sits the number four spot Excuse me, in the SEC standings. Tennessee is 11 and 6 in conference, 22 and 8 overall, and they're sitting four and a half games back behind Alabama for the number 1 spot. Do you guys think that when it's all said and done that when we get done with the regular season just one more game but uh, some teams have two more games playing tonight which is Wednesday yeah. night, do you think that Tennessee is still going to be in that 4 spot or do you think something else is going to happen to make them move? Uh, I would say no cuz I think they'll lose it. I think they'll lose at Auburn. Um and then if they lose at Auburn, they need either Missouri to drop one game. They have Ole Miss and LSU this week, two of the three worst teams in the SEC, uh, or they need Kentucky to drop both games. They, Kentucky plays Vanderbilt at home tonight and then travels to Fayetteville uh, to, to close out the regular season on Saturday. So, And just to provide more context on that, number one, Alabama, number two, A&M, number three, Kentucky, number four, Tennessee, five, Missouri, six, Auburn, seven, Vanderbilt, eight, Mississippi State, nine, Arkansas, ten, Florida, and then you round out your last four with Georgia, Ole Miss, South Carolina, and LSU. So when you're talking about Missouri, you know, needing to drop a game, they're obviously one spot behind Tennessee, Kentucky one spot above Tennessee in the standings. So that's kind of why some of those things need to happen the way that they do. Jack, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not I'm not as sure that Tennessee's gonna lose to Auburn. Um I think they're a much better team than Auburn. Um and I, I think that they may rise to the occasion on Saturday to close out the season. I also as weird as college basketball has been this year, I could see Auburn beating Alabama tonight and then losing to Tennessee on Saturday. That may sound totally idiotic, but all Alabama has really struggled in the last week. Yeah, they've been shaky. Against two teams that Tennessee beat by combined points of 50, 58, 58 combined points. Yeah. They beat South Carolina by two on the road and then Arkansas at home by three. I could see them dropping uh, the game tonight against Auburn. I really could. And then Auburn turn around losing to Tennessee on Saturday. It's just up and down in college basketball and – Anything can happen, but regardless, that game I think in Tennessee Tuscaloosa. Wins. Yep. Yep. Seven o'clock PM. ESPN two should yeah. be a good one. Alabama certainly hasn't looked like the same team since in the last week since the Brandon Miller legal uh-huh. stuff came out. All right, so let's do this. That kind of wraps up the basketball conversation for today. Talking about Tennessee's seventy-five to fifty-seven win over Arkansas on the court in Knoxville yesterday. Let's do this. Let's go ahead and grab a quick break right here. Come back on the other side. I know we got a little Tennessee football recruiting to talk about. Tennessee adds a very talented offensive player to the class of 2024. We'll give you some of the information about him, and then we'll just talk about what else is going on in the world of Tennessee athletics. Maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit of baseball. See what else is going on as we wrap up the podcast. Not much more, but you're not going to want to miss it. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the RTI Press Pass. You know, now that we are in the month of March, I mean, shoot, spring game 
right around the corner, right, for Tennessee football. I mean, it's just in about a little less than three weeks, if I'm thinking about this correctly. Is that right? Spring practice? Spring, yes. Yeah, I don't think spring games in three weeks, but yes. That's right. The, the pr- start, start of spring practice should be Start of spring practice soon. Going to be on March 20th, and that's all leading into the orange and white game. That'll be on April 15th. By the way, you can head over to, head over to RockyTopInsider.com for a little bit of a breakdown on the early details just regarding Tennessee's 2023 uh, football schedule, including the orange and white game in the spring as well. But hey, it, it, it's football news rarely stops, especially when you're talking about an SEC team, especially when you're talking about a team that finished the season ranked in the top 10 as well. Just a couple days ago, Tennessee football and Josh Heupel, they land a big-time offensive player to the class of 2024. That would be four-star wide receiver J.J. Harrell, six foot two, 185 pounds, from North Panola High School in Sardis, Mississippi. Again, class of 2024, four-star receiver, top 10 player in the state of Mississippi, top 20 player when it comes to uh, wide receivers. Those numbers are, are via 247 Sports. This is a good gift for Tennessee. Uh, a, a guy who's speedy, a guy who has size, uh, uh, just a, a playmaker when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. Harold chose Tennessee over a, a handful of other powerhouse schools, Alabama, Arkansas, LSU, Mississippi State, Florida State, Penn State, Oregon, and many others as well. So that was a big one for Tennessee and Josh Heupel. Again, one of the top players from the state of Mississippi, a very talented wide receiver, and we know that Tennessee is losing wide receivers this year just in the offseason. Tennessee's got some good players, though, looking ahead to the future when it comes to that position. But again, J.J. Harrell commits to Tennessee just a couple days ago. Big get for Tennessee's 2024 class. Yeah, Tennessee continuing to recruit wide receivers at a high level. Uh, their fifth commit from the 2024 class, another four-star, of course. That makes three of five. And, yeah, uh, I think this is going to be a recurring theme for Tennessee recruiting wide receivers. You just saw Tennessee have the Bolitnikoff winner in 2022. Obviously, Kelsey Pope seems like a great recruiter and a great guy uh, that players are going to want to play for. And now you look at Tennessee's receiving core for the next couple years. I mean, Squirrel White's just entering his second year. High expectations for him. Nathan Laycock entering his freshman year. And then J.J. Harrell coming next year. And, of course, Dante Thornton could definitely be around for a couple years as well. Yeah, certainly. And to me, it felt like kind of a commit that maybe not, didn't come out of nowhere, but, you know, I was at least surprised by it. D- didn't not a lot see of buzz. Coming. Yeah, yeah. He, he, there was no crystal ball predictions on his 247 page. So I don't think anyone was anticipating a decision. And, yeah, a bunch of suitors he, he'd visited all five of. Tennessee, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU, and Alabama already in 2023. He was busy yeah, in January. Very busy. Um, so it was his first visit to Tennessee. And Tennessee, I actually believe, yeah, looking at it on threes, uh, recruiting page for him now here, that they had the first of those visits. So he went to all four after. Uh, obviously, the visit must have gone really well if it still stood out after that. And on top of that, you know, you said Mississippi native. He made it to Ole Miss four different times uh, during the last football season and Mississippi State twice. So he was – a frequent visitor at both the home state schools, and then obviously LSU and Alabama both after him, both a lot closer uh, to home than Knoxville. Yeah. But the balls went out, and then I guess the one other thing I'd say, um, Jack, you said th- three out of five for Tennessee commits being four stars. Actually, Marcus Gore, I guess is that how you pronounce the name? Gorey. Gorey, yeah, yeah, maybe to two E's. Marcus Gorey, he actually got bumped oh, okay. uh, on at least on two four seven. I know he's a he's a on the composite. He's a four star now, so uh, a low one. But yeah, that would be correct. Yeah, Carson Gentles the three, right? Yeah, Carson. That Gentles. is also correct. Uh, Chat other another Chattanooga, I guess. Uh, Gory is Cleveland, but Southeast uh, Tennessee native. So, we've seen Tennessee recruit in state well uh, early on in this cycle, and this is them going down into 
uh, the thick of SEC country and, and beating out a lot of strong SEC foes for a top 100 commit that, you know, like I said, kind of, if it didn't come out of nowhere, at least wasn't expected. So sure. uh, that's a, a pretty uh, impressive January win or February win, excuse me, for uh, Tennessee's coaching staff. You know, and I don't know how much this is going to continue into the future, but I do think that kind of immediately something that you see out of J.J. Harrell is a little bit of recruiting just for okay. uh, on behalf of Tennessee. I, I believe he did send out a tweet that was tagging uh, Boot Carter just a couple of days ago, maybe after his commitment, threw in an orange heart or, or you know something that these that these recruits do uh, on social media these days. But uh, it, it does seem like maybe this could be one of those players in the class that does a great job at recruiting other players. I think that's one of the most, maybe one of the more undervalued aspects of a recruiting class is, yes, you obviously need your coaches to be able to recruit. You need players who are in the program already to be able to welcome them in during visits and things like that. But you also have to have players inside of the class really kind of pounding the drum for what their program, what their school, what their committing school is going to do in the future. And, you know, again, I don't know J.J. Harrell's kind of personality or uh, traits and stuff like that just right off the top of my head, but it does seem like here in the immediate early days, he's talking to other big talent. He's trying to get other players uh, to Knoxville, including another big Chattanooga name, again, Boo Carter. Yeah, and you mentioned players recruiting, of course. <laughs> One of the best things about Nico Yamaleava is that he's all about recruiting, and uh, I feel like that's going to play a part in a lot of Tennessee's class of 2024 commits, just like it did in the class of 2023. It really is impressive to to look at Tennessee's success in the wide receiver department, just on the recruiting trail under the Josh Heupel era. It, it, it's been it's been impressive. I, I think, obviously, Jack, going back to what you said, just at at this point in their tenure at Tennessee. They've got success that they can put out very easily. They, they've got stats they can talk about. They've got film they can show. They've got players who, who can who can testify. I remember even going back to the beginning of last football season, maybe just after the second or the third game of the season, maybe it was that third game against Akron because it would not have been after Pittsburgh, but Jalen Hyatt sitting with the postgame media saying, hey, look, this is just a message to any offensive player out there in the country, especially if you're a wide receiver. If you want to be the best, if you want to be on the best teams and the best offenses, you come to Tennessee. I think that maybe that had an impact, but certainly just Tennessee's style on the field, their ability to to get wide receivers in the spotlight, their, their ability to get wide receiver stats. I think you're seeing that, and you're seeing a lot of these players kind of realize and understand that. Yes, at one point it was just a concept. Hey, Tennessee's going to bring a big offense with Josh Heupel, or at least that's what expected. We'll see what happens. Now you have two straight years of continued success climbing up the mountain. You have statistics to show for it. You have awards to show for it. So I do think that that is a, certainly a, a, an aspect of the recruiting class where they're thriving, uh, you know, and we'll see how it continues. Obviously, they, they need to keep bolstering wide receivers because you, you just need so many, and, you know, they're a dime a dozen. But, man, it seems like high-level wide receivers do want to come to Tennessee and play in this offense, especially when you have good quarterback play as well. Certainly. I think you saw, and you kind of mentioned it, you saw you had a lot of that, the stats and stuff, after the first year, uh, you know, 2021 season, because Cedric Tillman, first 1,000-yard receiver, and I guess since 2012 – Valus Jones Jr. had massive years. You know, you saw the kind of breakouts for all the guys. But this year you combined out with the winning. You you mentioned that the awards, the Blitnikoff winner, and then you'll obviously see Tennessee have two more uh, receivers, Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt, probably get drafted in the first couple rounds of the NFL draft, which I think goes to as long away as anything else. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. So certainly that that's big news for, for Tennessee's recruiting class, for the class of 2024 
which looks like this. As these guys mentioned earlier, five total recruits. You have Jonathan Eccles, who is listed as an athlete, but actually kind of the talk around town for him is that he maybe is transitioning to a little bit more of a tight end role as opposed to being an edge rusher there at the beginning of his recruitment. So still still listed as an athlete. We'll see how that kind of continues going forward. But he is at the top of Tennessee's class. One spot below him, J.J. Harrell. We just talked about him. One spot below that, cornerback Caleb Beasley at Lipscomb Academy in Nashville, Tennessee. That is Tennessee's highest in-state recruit right now. That's a big one. And in fact, these next two are in-state as well. We just talked about him. Marcus Gorey Jr., an athlete, a four-star athlete from Bradley Central High School in Cleveland, Tennessee. And then Carson Gentle from Chattanooga, three-star defensive lineman who was one of the first. I believe he was just the second player to commit to Tennessee's class all the way back in July of 2022. So certainly that's been a big guy in, in Chattanooga just kind of, you know, uh, again, sounding the trumpets for, for Tennessee and trying to get people uh, over to uh, over to Knoxville to see what's cooking over with Josh Heupel and the Tennessee football program. But uh, definitely a big get, and we'll see how this kind of continues to evolve for, for Harrell and Tennessee. Yeah, I think this is a solid five for Tennessee to start the 2024 class out early, of course, and... I uh, believe it's top 10 and 24-7 and on three, just outside the top 10 on rivals, maybe like 11, I, I believe. So um, almost a consensus top 10 class so far for Tennessee in 2024. Yeah, and that and that Harold did give them a big bump because they're pretty much around the, and I think I wrote about it just about two weeks ago or so, they're pretty much around the 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 mark when you look at those three publications. So getting them all kind of more around the consensus top 10 uh, is certainly a big jump from one player. But that's how talented he is, kind of high-ranked. Yeah, early in the process, too. So yes. well, oh, yeah, There's a long <laughs> time to go in this recruiting class. There's a lot that's going to happen between now and whenever it wraps up. But it's kind of some of the starting information out there, some of the some of the latest details. Speaking of some of the latest details, I know you guys already spoke about this on a podcast going back to just yesterday, right, which was Tuesday. Did you guys record that on Tuesday or Monday? Tuesday. Okay, so just yesterday you recorded this podcast, uh, another great special edition of the RTI Press Pass. Ryan Shumpert and Jack Foster talking a little bit of Tennessee baseball. But that's because there's a lot of big news around baseball right now. You know, normally you wouldn't get this much drama, this much uh, uh, newsworthy information at the beginning of a, a just a baseball season, right? When you're, when you're going over some of these, uh, you know, maybe some of these a little bit more mid-teams. But boy, has Tennessee had plenty of drama in the last week. Maui Ahuna does make his Tennessee debut yesterday. For Tennessee on the mound against what was that Charleston Southern? Yes, Charleston. Excuse Southern. me, did I just say on the mound? Yeah, yeah. in the field. Excuse me, uh, shortstop. Yes, and then Tony Tony Vitello also returns to the dugout after a self-imposed three-game suspension over the weekend for the Dayton series. Just quick thoughts on, on those two things: kind of Maui Huna and Tony Vitello both returning. I, I guess Maui didn't really make his start officially, so. Vitello returns to the dugout. Maui Ahuna makes his debut in the dugout for Tennessee. Just what does this mean going forward for the Vols? Yeah, so uh, Tennessee imposed uh, suspension for Vitello. So, uh, you know, it it's obviously good to get him back. I don't think that was any surprise. The question will now become, you know, if the NCAA hands any further punishment down. Uh, but time will tell on that. You know, that's still ongoing a little bit. But the Maui Ahuna situation, you know, obviously he's cleared. That's a, a huge boost for Tennessee, a boost they need. And, uh, one for four in his debut. First at bat, almost homered opposite field. Hit one to, to the warning track. Man, he and, tried to just he tried to hit that over the river, didn't he? I mean, he uh, he wanted to boom drive, that but ball. It just wasn't high enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, I probably the, the funniest part of the game is he caught a, a pop up that was basically right at Christian Moore at second base. So he, <laughs> he was, was he yeah, he was eager to be back he out was there. Jacked so up. Uh, 
you know, it, it obviously, because we talked about it in more detail yesterday, but huge for Tennessee to, to get a Hoon eligible. Not a ton of surprise with Vitello being back, but uh, kind of like you said, a lot, a lot of early season storylines, a lot of early season kind of adversity for uh, a team with a lot of new faces that has plenty to deal with just kind of getting their feet wet and getting on the field to begin with. Yeah, and Tony said they've been handling it greatly. You know, yeah. he's, you asked him that question last night, and he said, look, this group has just – you know, handle this amazingly, and we're ready to rock now. And uh, they kind of had their s- celebratory day Monday, um, you know, with, with all the news breaking, and then they got back to business yesterday. Also, we called it on the podcast yesterday, Ryan. Maui Huna batted yeah. sixth. Yeah, well, you, you're, you're nice to say we because it was you. you were we're a team. Come on. You, you, were, you were all <laughs> over it. So, uh, yeah. No, it, Way it, to go. Uh, that was a good call. And, and yeah, it was well, – they eased him back in. I thought it was uh, – Kind of a nice vote of confidence that Austin Jaslov got to start at DH. He only yeah, got yeah. one at bat, but uh, still kind of a you know good job, good job filling in. You know you did, and Vitello was very complimentary of how he played in those first eight games. I don't think we'll see him a ton um, this season. I think he'll have a chance to maybe get some designated hitter uh, starts against maybe a short a, against left-handed left-handed uh, pitching. You know if it's a game that Cal Stark is catching. Um, I think then you'd kind of have a real chance for him to get uh, maybe you know a handful of DH starts, but and then I'm sure he'll get short some shortstop work in the midweek games. Yeah. But uh, certainly his role will will decrease a good bit uh, the rest of the way, and he'll look to be a, a good bench player, help this team where he can this year, and then look to try and earn that starting job next season. Now maybe there's nothing that's been a, a true shock in the season so far, and I don't necessarily think that's the case, but just kind of going around the table, is there any big surprise that, that you've kind of seen in the first, what has it been, seven, eight, nine games for, for Tennessee on the Diamond? Um, No, like huge shock. I mean, we talked about yesterday, probably the most surprising development for Tennessee season is Charlie Taylor's bat. I mean, he, has, he added his seventh hit of the season last night. Of course, he has two homers, a handful of RBIs, had a huge day against Alabama and A&M last week, but just his turnaround at the plate I think has been surprising. Um, you know, pitching, every, everything's just kind of getting felt out right now. You know, it's yeah. still early in the season. Uh, we're seeing the outfield competition, bullpen competition, guys are rising up. Um, A.J. Russell, South Halverson probably surprised me the most out of guys in the bullpen, just how good they've been. I thought it was surprising we saw Seth Halverson in mid- midweek last yeah. night. Um, yeah. Nothing, nothing crazy. I mean, just the drama, like you said, in February, this early in the season. But I guess it's on brand for Tennessee. Yeah, <laughs> uh, on brand it certainly is. There are a few days in, in the Tennessee sports world that are not dramatic at, at times, no matter where you're looking across what corner and under what rock and under what stone, you can typically find drama in the Tennessee sports world. No doubt about that. Yeah, you don't – never a, a dull moment by any means, and, and certainly I think Tennessee baseball probably embodies that more than any other program on campus. <laughs> yeah, Tony Vitell is a big reason. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit of a <laughs> little bit of a disruptor uh, over there on the baseball field, but that's what's uh, man that that what that's what makes a lot of this entertaining. All right, anything else from the table? Just kind of around the Tennessee sports world. Anything that you've seen in the last week? Anything that you want to point out or, or shed some light on in the last week or so? Uh, Lady Vols are the number three seed in the SEC tournament. Okay, we'll get underway Friday in Greenville, South Carolina. Their path to the SEC tournament championship does not include South Carolina, so they don't have to play the Gamecocks until the championship if they make that far. They'd have to beat LSU. They just got to play LSU. Right, (laughs) which I think they they only had one SEC loss, maybe just one loss on the season, too. Um, So, I mean, they're a top-five team in the country. That's going to be a hard out. But, yeah, Tennessee did a good job to be a top-three team in the league basically all year. You know, the league was down, but 
Tennessee pretty much dominated everyone else besides LSU, South Carolina, and they had the ugly loss against Mississippi State. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I guess one other thing that too Tennessee related. But yeah, what'd you Drew, see? Drew Pember. Uh, yeah. Oh. Transfer. If you forget the conference now, ASON I think is what UNC Asheville is in. May someone double check me, but uh, whatever conference you're in, ASON maybe Big South. Uh, he was the the player of the year and the defense player of the year. So. Wow. Big South. Big South. Yeah. Uh, so he he was. It's a local kid. We talked about you know he had, or, or Jack wrote about it. I don't know, a month or two ago when he, he put up 50 uh, in a game. So he had a massive year, and uh, he gets some well-deserved honors uh, at the end of it. Yeah, UNC Asheville, good, I think they finished in top two or three in that, that conference. And yeah, they were 24-7, and 16-2 in the conference, top of the conference. Yeah, so they'll have a chance to make it to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, no doubt. Wouldn't that be Wow, that's, that's yeah. fascinating right there. Like a 13-4 UNC Asheville, Tennessee? That yeah, I, I'd, seen, or, <laughs> I'd seen some earlier. Some uh, I think they were 314 or maybe even a 215 tennessee Sanford. Uh, um, which would be of great, uh, uh, very much wanting to be avoided in the Schumbert household because my brother is a Sanford grad and they've, oh. they've never made the NCAA tournament in his <laughs> 10 years or whatever since he's been living in Birmingham. But on the more macro, Quez Glover, who is a Bearden That's High School right. standout, you know, led Bearden with Drew Pember yeah. uh, to the state cha- state championship win uh, back a couple years ago. He went to Florida originally, transferred, and he's been absolutely fantastic for Sanford. He's really their best player. So uh, that would be kind of a, a local tie uh, if, if the Vols ran into to the Bulldogs. But yeah. Furman won that uh, won in the regular season. They beat Sanford on the final day. Those are the two best teams in the SoCon. And they'll uh, duke it out. And, and actually, I believe Greensboro, that's in the past, that's where that tournament's been. Uh, huh. I want to say somewhere in North Carolina, maybe Asheville. Um, but no, that's always a, an exciting conference tournament. And, We'll see how uh, that all goes uh, this this week. Are you gonna have family go to that game? Try to spectate it? Uh, probably not. But I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, quick note: today, I believe, starts the NFL scouting combine process, or at least interviews are happening. Uh, guys mm-hmm. are about to hit the field over in uh, Indianapolis here in the next couple of days. Tennessee's got plenty of guys over there going through the scouting process right now. But they've also had a couple of first round draft uh, mock draft projections over the last few weeks over the last few months, so on and so forth, since the end of the season. Jalen Hyatt has been projected as a first-round pick. Uh, Byron Young was projected as a first-round pick back in January. The most recent one I saw was Darnell Wright going at number 16, which was a, a, a tr- tremendously high number for, for him, who I believe is probably Tennessee's best draft prospect coming out of the class. Will Anderson ha- had a lot of... Uh, very remarkable things to say about Darnell Wright and just how, how he thinks that what he's one of, if not the best, or yeah, something he said along the those best lines. Uh, offensive tackle he played last season. There you go, the best offensive tackle. And hey, by Will Anderson's stats in that game, that is exactly what is true. Darnell Wright took his lunch money for all four quarters of that game. So just kind of be be hanging out with Rocky Top Insider throughout the week. Now we are not there, obviously. We are in studio right now, but we will be bringing you as much of that information as we can. And then if you do want somebody who has boots on the ground over there, one of my good friends. Uh, Nashville knows him very well, Lucas Panzeek of The Zone. Uh, he is over there, and he's already been tweeting out tons of clips this morning just from different Tennessee players, whether it was uh, Jeremy Banks, uh, who else? I think Byron Young he, he posted a couple clips from. So that is definitely a great person to be following if you want a little bit of a Tennessee tie uh, during the NFL scouting combine over in Indianapolis right now. A lot of football, a lot, a lot of off-season football going on. Yeah, we got the offseason football. Of course, another baseball game tonight at 4 p.m. Right. And then we have the series against Gonzaga this weekend. 
Tennessee basketball at Auburn Saturday. It just keeps going on and on. On and on and on. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for us today. But I do want to say one more quick thing on the way out. In case you missed the news yesterday, City of Knoxville, and more importantly, I think kind of the the sports radio world of everything, they lost a great caller, uh, and the caller that's named Roger uh, yesterday. And you might have seen a little bit of a little bit of this on Twitter. If you don't know what I'm talking about, this was just a, a wonderful human being who called into a lot of the local radio shows here in the city. And when I was back on the radio with my good friends uh, Chance and Brandon and Charlie and Weston, when we were on the radio, Roger would call into our show a lot, and, and we always had a blast. So whether it was talking Tennessee football, basketball, baseball, or something else in between. We always had a good time talking with Roger, and unfortunately he did pass away yesterday. A lot of the different sports radio programs in the city have been, you know, kind of sharing some stories and, and giving some shout-outs for the last day or so. So we would like to do that as well, just as, as somebody who did come across and uh, did come in contact with Roger plenty often on these radio airwaves. Just wanted to pass our, our, our thoughts and prayers to his family, his friends, everybody who who is kind of— you know, going through that right now. Loss is never easy, but we get it done a little bit easier together. So just wanted to give a shout-out to the caller, Roger, who, who's been a staple in Knoxville Sports Radio over the last couple of years. He, he was certainly fun to talk to. So uh, with that being said, guys, pretty good show today. We got plenty of basketball done. We got plenty of football done. We got a baseball game today, this afternoon, and then we come back over the weekend for more baseball. But Tennessee, Auburn, that's going to be the close of the regular season. That one should be good. And I think what, what a lot of people are going to be kind of waiting on pins and needles for the next couple of days, the injury status of one Zakai Ziegler. Maybe the energizer bunny of Tennessee's team, the engine that makes this thing run, Zakai Ziegler waiting to hear back on his knee injury that was suffered against Arkansas. But, guys, I think that's going to wrap it up today. How about that? Yeah, I think that's all we got. Yeah, kind of a Tennessee Athletic smorgasbord today, if you will. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, so, as always, make sure you are following Rocky Top Insider on all different social media platforms. You can find us at Rocky Top Insider on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. If you want to follow Ryan, you can do that at rshump00 on the Twitter machine. If you would like to follow Jack Foster, you can do that on the Twitter. That would be at Jack Foster Media, and if you want to follow myself, you can do that at Rick underscore Butler as well. But again, just make sure you're following Rocky Top Insider each and every day for your best Tennessee news, notes, and coverage as we continue the basketball season. As we go through the baseball season, we will have you locked in and covered. Thanks so much for listening. For Ryan, for Jack, I'm Rick. You've been listening to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass. We'll see you back for the next one.